Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Joined by my guest today is Arif Hassan, a uh, Vikings guy, NFL guy, NFL draft guy, kind of does it all. But uh, we wanted to really get him on to preview the Cowboys-Vikings game coming up this Sunday, 425. But also just get his general thoughts on the Cowboys as you are the lead NFL analyst for Pro Football Network. Arif, man, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you? I'm hanging in there. You know, not the not the best week coming off a Cowboys yeah. loss to the Packers who kind of stink this year. So that was a little... A little rough, but any given Sunday, I guess it is. And uh, we saw a lot of that this week. So it didn't, didn't, didn't kill me so much after I saw some of the other losses that happened around the league. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It's been, it's been a rough one for a lot of teams, especially in the NFC East. It's never, it's never a good sign when you play in that middle to late slate on Sunday and the game that is going on before yours, a fumbled snap in the end zone, which obviously that was very, you loved it, I'm sure, but um, that's what happens in a game because you're like, what am I getting ready to get myself into? <laughs> right? Yeah. What, what, what have we set ourselves up for? I, I guess for uh, for another overtime game, right? Dude, yeah, no no kidding. I was like, oh, man. I think I tweeted that, too. I was just like, well, the NFL's uh, ending its 1 o'clock slate on a crazy note, so please don't start the 425 slate on a crazy note. And didn't really start on a crazy note, but it definitely ended <laughs> yeah. not in the Cowboys' favor. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so the common theme that I – and, again, like I'm not going to pretend that I said I – ha- I'll sit down tomorrow kind of watch the Vikings – but I haven't watched the Vikings a ton this year. Obviously they have a great record, but the common theme when I listen to, you know, the athletic football show or some of the bigger NFL podcasts on the, you know, on Spotify or whatever it is, they always start the show with, are the Vikings good? (laughs) That's like the common thing. Like they have a great record, but like nobody knows if they're really good or not. Do you think the Vikings are a good football team? That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's tough. So if, if you uh, if you like ever had the chance to watch like a couple of Vikings games, I think you'd understand why this question keeps coming up, despite the fact that, you know, they're, they're, they've got the best record in the NFL. It's a crazy sentence. I can't even process it right now. And, the, and they, they just be, um, I think, a consensus top three team uh, in the NFL. Right. Uh, and so uh, for, for that to be kind of the question, obviously, it's, it's absurd on face. Right. How is an eight and one team not good? But you watch these games and you don't get the sense that the Vikings are doing anything 
along the lines of, of being kind of a dominant or being something that a good team does, right? Like they, they, uh, they blew a lead against Washington who, um, I guess they Washington can beat some pretty good teams. We're learning, but you know, for the most part they're, they, they struggled against, you know, uh, Miami's third string quarterback. They struggled against new Orleans, second string quarterback. Like they, they have had trouble, um, against, uh, teams without winning records, teams that, um, are like 200 or 300, right? Like teams that are just not good. Uh, and they're having these one score games. They have to gut out, uh, these games where they're winning because, uh, you know, the other team muffed a punt right inside the 10 and it's like, well, okay, that led to the, the game winning touchdown. Does that mean the Vikings are somebody that you can kind of rely on? And it's not really there. And so you watch the games, you don't come away with an understanding that this is something that, um, you know, the Vikings are, uh, going to consistently be able to do. Of course, they have done right. it consistently. And then you take a look at the underlying statistics. It's not there, right? They don't have, you know, a high-level offense or a high-level defense by by most measures. And so it's very tough to trust this team. Yeah. And, I mean, as someone who's covered and has been a fan of the Cowboys for so long, it, seems, it sounds very similar. Um, <laughs> it sounds sounds a lot like some of the good Cowboys years where it's like, yeah, they might have a great record, but, like, is this team – like, last year is a perfect example, like, they beat the crap out of some really good teams, you know, lost some close games. And it was like going to the playoffs. It was always like, okay, nothing really tells us this team is great right now, but let's see if they can catch fire. So it kind of seems like a very common theme that a lot of Cowboys fans listening to this podcast are like, yeah, that sounds a lot like good Cowboys <laughs> teams and quote unquote, good Cowboys teams in the right. that have good records. So. Right. Well, I mean, it, it kind of reminds me of, you know, when Cooper rush was winning, it's like, well, right. Is is this something that you want to rely on going forward? It feels like, you know, nobody's really all that enthusiastic about that. Or when Andy Dalton was winning um, a, a bit ago, it was just like, well, OK, that, that was nice. It's good to have the wins. But man, I this is not a playoff team to me. Right. It feels right. very similar. But the Vikings are better than, you know, a Cooper Rush led Cowboys, I think. Absolutely. But uh, it is it is it is tough to think that this team is going to pull out you know, an additional win in the playoffs. And, hey, I don't know, maybe they get home field advantage, so who cares? <laughs> but, no, I, I, hey, no. absolutely. I mean, it's – and, again, like like you said, like I think that this Vikings team, from the little bit I've seen, I don't view them in that same, like, stance that we had that Steelers team from a couple years ago that were, like, undefeated or 9-1, mm-hmm. and 10-1, and one, heading into, like, the home stretch. And people are like, this team sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're 12-1, they're but they're not any good. Like, <laughs> It was a crazy thing that you said on the internet and people would kill you, but it was like, just, just look at it. Like it's not, yeah. It's just, so, it's just, it's just like watch the games. I'm not right. crazy. Yeah. Like I actually like, like the little, you know, again, like I think Justin Jefferson's the best receiver in the league. I think that mm-hmm. Dalvin cook's a good back. I think, you know, Zadarius Smith is having a great year. So like, I, I can at least make an argument that like, Hey, they right. got pieces that can be dangerous. Yeah. You know? So yeah. Um, and it, it is a little bit different than those than those teams like like the, the Teddy Bridgewater Saints I think went five and zero oh, right and right. no one watching that, that team was right. like yeah I'm, I'm terrified you know absolutely absolutely yeah. no so I mean it's, it's I, not a bad team it's just we don't know how good they are right so what would you you know because you kind of said like they don't you know when you look at the analytics advanced kind of side of things you don't see where it's like oh they're not the most dangerous offense and they're not the most dangerous defense. What would you say the strength of the Vikings team is right now? I mean, obviously, like, I mean, I look at just, I, I said it, but like, I think Justin Jefferson is, I shouldn't say clear cut, but if I had to pick any receiver in the NFL right now to be, to be the first wide receiver on the team that I was picking, it would be Justin Jefferson. I'd take him over Tyree Kill. I'd take him over Jamar Chase. I'd take him over, I guess you can throw, 
I guess you could throw Devontae Adams' name in that, even though yeah, it, 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 it tough year for Devontae Adams, right? Right. right yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's pretty clearly it's you know what Justin Jefferson accomplished. Of course, the game that he just had against the Bills really puts that kind of conversation into um, overdrive, right? Whether or not he's the best receiver in the NFL. It's actually one of the most uh, kind of recent notes that I had in my my after action report on Sunday. Is like, hey, maybe we should talk about Justin Jefferson as the as the best receiver because I mean, he had what, I think what like seven contested catches that he caught that that were receptions, right? Um, which I believe is the most for any individual game in the pro football focus era, which goes all the way back to, well, they started counting contested catches back in 2016. So we'll just say that, um, that, that is wild. That is nuts to have seven contested catches that you've reeled in. Right. And, uh, obviously there's the catch on fourth and 18 with two minutes left. That was just wild. Um, but you know, he does a phenomenal job getting open. He does a phenomenal job bringing the ball in. He does a phenomenal job generating yards after the catch. Those are the three fundamental, you know, roles that wide receiver has to play. And he, it seems like he is relatively elite at all three of those particular individual jobs. And we know that, you know, for somebody like Tyree kill, who uh, is elite at two of those and pretty good at the, yeah, at catching, right. He's elite at yak and he's elite at getting open. That's enough to make you in the conversation for the best receiver in the NFL. So he's got all three of those skills. I would argue, right. That, that Jefferson um, is clearly top three has a really good argument for being number one. He's probably um, the strength of the team, but the Vikings, like you said, have a lot of pieces, right. They've got, right. you know, Daniel Hunter is back in the swing of things the past couple of, uh, of weeks. And so they've got Jerry Smith, Daniel Hunter doing well. Eric Hendricks is a very good linebacker. Hurston Smith's a high level safety. Patrick Peterson's had, you know, some highlight games this year then like you said dalvin cook is good adam thielen is there i mean there are a bunch of pieces but i think it kind of starts and stops with justin jefferson right now i know they it's still early but they just traded for tj hawkinson and he's been more involved i think in these last two games and a, a lot of people thought after being traded from detroit to minnesota um is he going to be incorporated you think into this game plan maybe even, you know, started week one, the first game with Minnesota. And I think he did more than people thought. And then he played mm-hmm. quite a bit last weekend um, and put up some production. But do you think that this, this is like his breakout week with Minnesota, you know, kind of going into that three week, you get two weeks under your belt. You feel like yeah. maybe going to that third or fourth week, you could expect, you know, the best. Yeah. Of him. I think, I think week three or week four is, is when you kind of get a good sense of, of, you know, the, the maximum that he's going to be able to accomplish. Um, obviously, you know, that first week he was with Minnesota, I think it went like seven for seven for 90 yards, not bad. Three of those, I think were like screen passes. So, you know, or, sorry, it was nine for nine for 70 yards, missed up, messed up the digits, but three of those were like screen passes. didn't go anywhere for, so really as a tight end or as a receiver, he got, you know, six catches for about 90, which is a pretty good place to be. Sure. It's pretty surprising. Obviously the next game, he didn't quite match that production, but that is kind of asking a lot. Um, and there were, there were some kind of inconsistencies between what, you know, cousins maybe wanted and what Hawkinson was able to do and vice versa. Uh, and so that, you know, that that's, you know, a week two thing it's, you know, that still needs to be ironed out. And I think that as they continue to play together, they're going to continue to get an understanding of, you know, Hey, cousins, you know, thinks that, you know, if he throws the ball here, he'll be able to protect the receiver from contact here, or, Hey, you know, TJ Hawkinson does a pretty good job catching the ball when it's like at, you know, at the shelf or something like that. And and so they, they figure out kind of what they need from each other in order to get kind of the most out of each other's game. And I'll also, you know, you're going to be able to get a full playbook with Hawkinson on the field. So I think either, you know, this coming week against the Cowboys or the following week, which I believe is against the Patriots, um, we're going to get kind of a better sense of what Hawkinson could do in the offense, but already, you know, we're seeing returns. Like you said, it's been, it's been pretty good. Well, he beat the shit out of the Cowboys a couple weeks ago with Detroit. So not, not <laughs> looking forward to seeing him again. So yeah, I'm sure he's got his own scouting report, Dan. Just oh, turns yeah. it in. Oh yeah. <laughs> so they'll, they'll have it all planned out for sure. Um, mm-hmm. 
Dalvin Cook's an interesting one, too, because obviously, you know, he's viewed as one of the top backs in the league and obviously one of the most talented backs in the league. I guess I'm looking at this from more of a fantasy perspective, just because, like I said, I, I, it's not like I'm sitting down watching a ton of Vikings yet. Because he had a – I hate to use the word disappointing, but maybe just a lower production year than we're used to from Dalvin Cook. Uh, a little, I think the first half of the, uh, of what we've seen so far. So like the first five games, you could say that, I think after that, you know, he's kind of really turned on the jets. He's been able to right. turn in some big plays and stuff like that. But the first five games, it just felt like he was kind of getting close, you know, how it always is with these big play running backs where it's like, ah, you know, he got tackled at the shoelaces, right. He was about to get a 40 yard run or whatever. And right. it felt like that was pretty constantly happening with him. Didn't see a ton of that. You know, the blocking wasn't necessarily all there. I mean, the Vikings offensive line has been kind of up and down. Uh, and so, you know, those first five games, I think with, cook you know people were kind of wondering how exactly they'd be able to get him going um but you know these these last couple of games he's been doing a really good job you know like he, we just saw the 81 yard run against the the bills he had a 50 yarder uh two weeks ago um he's been able to put those together and he's also had some of those consistent runs that you also need from your big play guys in order to be kind of consistently threatening so i would say that he was on pace to have a really disappointing season um but it seems like he's kind of turned that around he's been a, he's done a better job at at, uh, you know, breaking off big runs, finding the holes in, in kind of the, the small seams that open up. And, you know, teams are doing such a good job defending their zone run nowadays that every team has to be right. a little bit more creative about how they open up these backs. And Dalvin has kind of taken to that um, like a duck to water. So it's been pretty good for him uh, in the past couple of weeks. Well, that's probably the, I mean, as I'm sure you're aware of covering the NFL as a whole, you know, that's the one weakness of the Cowboys right now, especially on the defensive side of the ball is they just haven't they did a good job at stopping the run. They had a couple hiccups early in the year. And then this last two weeks, it's just been ugly, which obviously the Justin mm -hmm. Fields and Bears situation is kind of a unique. Yeah, it's a little you know, different, but yeah. yeah, mm -hmm. You can't really, I mean, people have you know killed him for that. Like, it's like, yeah, but you almost have to write that off as an anomaly just because of how dangerous Fields is when they have committed to him running so much. Um, now, again, last week with, with Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, I think that's more of a red flag than the Chicago game. But I think when you, you, you see Dalvin cook in Minnesota coming to town, that does raise the question of, okay, you know, we're going to get three weeks now where we might get a heavy dose of the running game. You mentioned that the offensive line for Minnesota hasn't been necessarily a strength for them this year. How would you say, I mean, from a run blocking perspective, are they normally stronger as run blocking or are they better as a pass protecting unit? Um, they're better right now as a pass protecting unit. Um, and, and the thing is, I mean, it's mostly the interior of the offensive line. That's not really holding up. It's those two tackles are playing really well. In fact, I think they might have the highest combined PFF grade of any two starting tackles in the okay. NFL right now. So they're doing, they're doing all right. Right. Uh, it, it really is that interior where you've got Garrett Bradbury, who's been struggling his entire career, a little bit better this year, but still kind of struggling. Ed Ingram, who's a rookie who has just been having, I mean, this guy's in hell, man. He's not having a good time. Um, he's having he's having a, a lot of difficulty adjusting to the NFL. Um, he's getting uh, beat on speed rushes, on stunts, on bull rushes, basically any way that you can beat a guard. You know, he's kind of lost. And um, uh, he also like his footwork isn't there. He keeps on stepping on Kirk Cousins' toes. I and, saw that in the Bills uh, game. He like fell over from under center twice or something. Like that. Twice, yeah. Both both times it was at Ingram. 
Uh, and that's not the first time that's not the first time this happened uh, this year. So wow. uh, c- clearly he doesn't really have a good sense of, of where his feet need to be off the snap. And I don't know, you just get beat a lot. Right. Like if, if he was a good guard and that just kind of occasionally happened, right. you just kind of you know, take it on the chin and be like, well, I guess, you know, you're going to get some of these. But, you know, Aaron Donald's not going to beat you up when he comes to town. But no, he's he's been playing really poorly as a guard, too. So right. that's that's the biggest issue. Um, the interior is a. It has a lot of potential in terms of run blocking because they're super athletic and they they do get out in space and Garrett Bradbury can be really fun to watch, but um, they kind of get mixed up a lot and the 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 seams like I said are just not opening up all that often, um, and it's really they've gotten a lot better at pass protection than they've gotten at run blocking and so they they tend to be a pass first unit now which is so unusual you know I've been covering a Zimmer led right. Vikings team for so long, um, but they're a, they're a pass first unit and the pass protection has increased in its in its capability the past uh you know over this past season versus kind of the run blocking which has been up and down and i'm sure every cowboys fan listening to this right now is like well we're the exact opposite you know they run block really well and can't pass protect right now to save their lives so that's that's kind of on the flip side of things like that's the neil hunter zadarius smith i mean I, I feel like the front seven doesn't possess like six or seven dangerous players but they have two really good ones when they're on clicking and healthy and that's both tackles for the Cowboys have struggled quite a bit. Terrence Steele has been fine, but I think both of those guys have, have seen some recent struggles as far as pass protection goes. So I'm kind of very not excited to see Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith line up on both sides of the off, you know, def- offensive line and really wreak havoc on those, those two young tackles this week. <laughs> like yeah, they could see a lot of Tony Pollard and maybe Ezekiel Elliott coming back and just a lot of yeah. hopefully trying to beat up the interior of the, the uh, defensive line with running. Yeah. And, uh, and Jerry Smith's been having a great year, but you can run at him, right? right? That's kind of the one area where it's just like, he, he, I mean, he loves to rush the passer and he's very good at it, but you know, sometimes you can get pushed around to the run game or he can over pursue or something like that. So you yeah. can, you can run at him a little bit. Uh, Daniel Hunter is pretty good at basically everything. Um, he's not having as good of a pass rush season, but you don't want to run at him so much. You just kind of want to figure out, hey, you know, the Vikings are in their defensive line rotation, so you can run up the middle, or they're not in their rotation, so you can run at Darius Smith. Right. See, that's a it's a very common theme with the Cowboys defense as well. It's like you got Demarcus Lawrence, who's always gets killed because he doesn't have 14, 15 sacks. You know, he's and he's dealt with injuries. So mm-hmm. you know, Daniel Hunter and Demarcus Lawrence are kind of the same person when you really look at it. <laughs> <laughs> like they they have uh you ever you ever talked to John Owning? They have a very similar set of pass rush moves too. It's yep. pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's I, I don't know if I've ever like put that comparison together, you know, but it's like they've both dealt with some injuries, you know, they're really good at kind of defending the run and they they do well as pass rushers, but sometimes those sack numbers don't really Yeah, they don't always them. follow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you you think they would. So um but yeah, that's that's like you said, the worries, the things that concern me that you kind of said so far is that, you know, like the tackles for uh, Minnesota are the strength and the interior is the weakness for Minnesota, but that's the opposite for Dallas. It's like the interior of the defensive tackles aren't really the strongest. And while you can't run it, I mean, it's almost the same thing. You can't run it DeMarcus Lawrence's side, but Dorrance Armstrong or Dante Fowler, you can run over there all day and pick up five, six, seven yards per carry. So feel like we're going to see a lot of yeah. off left tackle runs for both teams more than likely coming up this weekend. <laughs> That's certainly what it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> this team, they, they might be eerily similar, honestly. Um, yeah. I mean, again, I think Justin Jefferson's a, you know, a better receiver than um, 
CeeDee Lamb right now, but I think, you know, they both got, you know, really good wide receiver ones. Um, I mean, I, I feel like, and again, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like Thielen's just injuries and he's just kind of fallen off after, you know, a couple of years ago, he was like, wow, this is one of the top guys in the league. Is that kind of went away a little bit just because of the injury issues and maybe age out a little bit? I think the past couple of years, that's been kind of the case here. Uh, I actually, you know, you take a look at kind of what's happening uh, on the all 22 and he's actually, he's getting open, right? He's doing a pretty good job getting open. Um, he's not obviously playing at the level that he was three years ago, but he's playing at a fairly high level. I'd put him up against a lot of wide receivers who's run the league, but the thing, I mean, he's not getting the production, right? He's not getting that right. shortage. And so that's what's kind of driving this conversation. I don't really know kind of what the deal with that is because um, he and Kirk Cousins have pretty good chemistry and, um, I think it's just that the offense wants Cousins to stay with his first progression just longer than he's used to. And so um, you, you see a lot of forced passes to Jefferson, which, of course, worked out last week. But, you know, against the Eagles and against the Lions, it was actually a terrible decision, you know, forcing those passes. And so um, you don't see the targets to Thielen that I think he kind of deserves based on how well he's playing. I think that obviously, you know, the, his athletic capability has dropped off in part because of injuries, in part because of age. Um, but he's still, I think, a fairly good player. I think that a production just kind of understates his level of play. But I, I totally understand kind of why you know, this, this comes up because he just, he doesn't have the numbers to kind of back up what I'm saying. Right. Right. No, absolutely. And that's, it's always a tough, I mean, again, like, like I've said a few times, like I haven't really dove into the Minnesota Vikings yet. So, so many people look at this who cover the NFL or whatever. And even if you don't like you play fantasy football and you're like, Oh, Adam Thielen's only Mm -hmm. getting, you know, three or four points a game, you know, he's gotta be struggling. And then you got people like you who watch every game from an all 22 perspective. And you're like, he's not really struggling, just production ain't matching. So um yeah man I mean I was I, I really am interested in this game because from a record perspective and from the team I mean you know Minnesota's lone loss was to the Philadelphia Eagles who obviously have one of the better rosters in the league and um have had a hell of a year but when you see just kind of who the Vikings have beat who the Cowboys have beat and kind of banking on that I mean I think I think I favor the Vikings in this scenario um without have watching them a whole lot yet, just kind of based on some of the, you know, metrics that I've looked at today and seeing the records, seeing the games that they won, seeing that they were able to kind of beat Buffalo last weekend. But I really do think that these teams are pretty evenly matched. You know, I think a lot of it's going to come down to quarterback play, honestly. And if we get a good game from Dak, I feel like the Cowboys can win this game. And if we get, you know, the primetime Kirk Cousins game. That's obviously going to help the Cowboys' <laughs> chances. And and that was my that was my next question. I'm sure you, you hear this a lot, but mm-hmm. like, does 425 count as a primetime game for Kirk Cousins, or is it just the one night games where there's nothing else on? <laughs> it's weird. I, I it's just the night games. I was looking at these these Damn. 425 games. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. I was looking at these 425 games because because sometimes they get more viewership right, right. than the primetime games right Absolutely. the nighttime games. yeah and so it's like well there's more eyes on him in these 425 games like get kind of national play um and uh and you know because like what it's like 18 million sometimes and, and primetime sometimes gets 12 it's crazy right. um and uh and no cousins is fine in those in those like afternoon time slots so it's really you know he like someone someone said i think it was brett coleman who was like cousins might have a stigmatism where you know when it's dark out and there's lights they can't catch, catch his eyes and so he can't see as well is <laughs> something man but yeah the 425 games he's fine the thing i think it's with dak it's like um so obviously dak hasn't had that many games this year so it's like All difficult right. for me to say but he's only had one good game out of like the four ish that he's played right and so if you really want to count you know that first game 
Um, and so, you know, if you take a look at, at Prescott's career, obviously, you know, he's played at a really high level for, um, you know, a long time, especially, you know, 2016, 2019, those were fantastic seasons for him. Um, but this year it's been difficult to find, you know, consistently good performances from him. It's not fair because there's only four games to evaluate. And so to say, Hey, right. I'm taking half of that first game when he was healthy. Um, and I'm counting that as one game and I'm taking a look at two weeks ago. I'm counting that as a good game is tough. And, but if you, if you get the Dak Prescott that we saw two weeks ago, if you get good Dak Prescott, I don't think the Vikings win, right? Because I think the Dallas defense, despite what happened against Green Bay, is one of the best defenses in the NFL. I think it'd be really tough for the Vikings to compete. Um, if Dak Prescott plays better than like Josh Allen played, which is entirely possible given how well right. Allen played. Absolutely. Um, then then I then I think that's it. But I think if if we see the Prescott that we've seen for most of his throws this year, most of his games, um, then I think that it is a Vikings game. And I don't know if it's, you know, Prescott's coming back from injury, and so there's like some kind of you know, rust that he has to shake off or something. I don't know what it is, but it's um, weird, man. Cause like the Detroit game, the first game back from the injury, he started off really slow and then he kind of got together in the second half, which is expected. You you got six weeks, you're knocking off some rust. Came out against Chicago, looked really good. Um, He threw the one pick at halftime, but again, like we've talked about it all week today, a lot of, a lot of his interceptions this year, which you, you hate to, take blame off the quarterback throwing interceptions because a lot of times right. it is their fault. They can always look, go to another progression or make another read, whatever it is. But like, I think he's thrown two, three, I think he's thrown four interceptions this year and only one of them. I think you can say, okay, that was fully on him. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, it was even like last week, like not to say that he played good last week, but you know, people look at it, Oh, you know, two picks and both of those picks, even Mike McCarthy, who, I'm not a huge fan of, but he kind of came out the day. It was like, yeah, you know, we're just not, we're not the play call on the first one wasn't the best. And then, you know, our tight end didn't really clear out the safety the way he was supposed to do. Like, yeah, we yeah. want our guy making that read and that throw because it's there if everybody does what they're supposed to do. And then the second one, it's been a constant issue. And one of the things that CD Lamb's just not been great at so far in his career is just with his timing and then his field vision of, you know, middle of the field closed, middle of the field open, you know, when to, Cross the safety's face, when to carry it up the post. So he's kind of struggled with that. And two or three of his interceptions this year have come targeting CD land where he's made kind of that wrong read on reading that, you know, yeah. deep middle safety. So yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Um, you know, like again, like he didn't actually play all that well against Green Bay, but it's so easy to kind of focus on right. um what you think are kind of the troughs, right? The bottom right. level of play. And it's like, well, I mean, he wasn't really. You know, it, I, I feel like the accuracy wasn't always there for him, but it wasn't sure. really at issue when it came to when it came to these particular picks. Right. Um, yeah, Dak's a good quarterback. It, it's just really just a question of, of when that's going to turn on and whether or not the defense will continue playing at a high level by the time it turns on. Right. Honestly, and so yeah. I hated having that bye week after the Chicago game, too, because it's like you got the game back after injury, <laughs> kind of got it figured out in the second half. You had a really strong game against Chicago, and it's like, all right, now we get to take seven days off and yeah, like, now cool cool down now yeah, yeah I, wanted to, I wanted to kind of keep that rhythm going because you played eight quarters of football after breaking your throwing hand thumb and it's like two of them weren't the best and six of them you kind of figured it out and it was like all right let's keep the flow rolling there was like not by week and i was like damn you kind of almost expected him to come out and not look as good because yeah come yeah. back two games and just just a like you said that like roller coaster of all right i'm starting to figure it out and then it's all right let's go back to you know back down to ground zero kind of sucked, but kind of figured it out there in the second half against Chicago played much better. Um, so I'm hoping that maybe he can pick back up that 
that uh, consistency that was starting to build in that Chicago game. Hope, well, for our sake, hopefully, hopefully not for you guys. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, yeah. It'd be, it'd be nice for the Vikings if they kind of delayed on that just a little bit longer. So we'll close it just because um, get you out of here. But you know, Kirk Cousins has been a interesting topic. We talked about him in prime time. Obviously, played with Washington for for years, so Cowboys fans are real familiar with him. Is the result of the Vikings? I mean, we've kind of touched on this very briefly, but as a result of the Vikings' better record this year and maybe a little bit better uptick in offense, have anything to do with him improving at the quarterback position? Uh, it's really tough. His statistics are down all across the board. You take a look at yards per attempt, passer rating, EPA, whatever statistic you want to use. Um, you know, it's it's not there. It's it's one of the worst he's had in Vikings uniform. Wow. Um, but you know, people are generally not disappointed by his level of play in these right. games. And I think, you know, people are, are colored by the fact that these are wins. And if, you know, there, there have been three special teams turnovers in the fourth quarter. Obviously, he has nothing to do with that. Um, and if those don't happen, you know, the Vikings are um, they've got three more losses on their hands. Right. And so, uh, you know, then you, you talk about Kirk Cousins and where he struggled and where he hasn't struggled. For example, he didn't have a very good game against the Bills. Right. Um, but, you know, like throws two picks. They don't make a ton of sense. And also, but, you know, they, they beat the Bills. Right. Like no one right. is very upset. So we're not casting a very, a very critical eye on Cousins. But he is doing stuff that he's never done before in ways that I think are positive, right? Like he's improvising a lot more than we're used to seeing from him. I and mean, that's not something he's known for. He's moving around in the pocket a little bit more. He's scrambling a little bit more decisively. He's getting yards on the ground a little bit more. He's doing a better job figuring out, hey, you know, this is a two-minute drill, so I just need to be more aggressive. Like that's something that right. he never did. And and those kind of show up because his biggest issue was like, you know, generating comebacks, you know, being in prime time and you know, adapting his style of football to the situation at hand is something he never did. Now he's doing that. Um, but, you know, the in between kind of the first drive and the last couple of drives, you know, like it, let, let's say games 12 drives. First drive, Kirk Cousins is the best quarterback in the NFL. Maybe you can you, maybe you can say Patrick Mahomes is better. Right. I get it. Mm-hmm. But for, for but, you know, the Vikings have more touchdowns in the first drive than any other team. Right. Um then you get drives like two through like nine and it's, it's kind of garbage and then drives 10, 11 and 12 are fantastic as well. And so it's very difficult to evaluate this guy. Um, I think that if cousins was playing better, we wouldn't be having this conversation because they wouldn't have holes that they'd have to keep digging themselves out of. And he's, and he's causing some of those problems that they have to come back from. But um, I will say, you know, a credit where it's due when you, when you do have these fourth quarter comebacks, we do have these overtime performances you know, he's the one like they're not putting it in Dalvin Cook's hands and he's, you know, the one always running off a 50 yard uh, touchdown run. It's Kirk Cousins is the one who's throwing downfield to KJ Osborne for a 28 yard touchdown or for, you know, right. Dalvin Cook for, uh, you know, a 20 yard touchdown or Justin Jefferson for a 46 yard one. Right. Like that's it's him doing it. But um, on balance, you know, it, it seems like we're not getting the Kirk Cousins that I think you know, we know that he can be based just not even based off of his ceiling, just based off of what he's done the past couple of years. So, um it's he's always a polarizing conversation. He's always difficult to talk about, but this year he's particularly difficult because he's playing worse and he's winning more. <laughs> that is always a tough thing to, especially for just fans to realize, I think, yeah. you know, go back to the Cooper rush stuff. It was like, they were winning games by scoring like 17, 20 points a game, you know, and it was like <laughs> right. yeah, a yeah. defensive touchdown per game. And you're like, yeah, this is fun, but um, <laughs> this isn't going to work. <laughs> As we, as we play better teams and uh, I don't know, it's always, it's always an interesting thing when you don't feel great. I mean, like we talked about, you don't feel great about the team in general, but somehow they're still kind of squeaking out some of these wins. So yeah, got to, got to get the prediction and then we'll get you out of here. What do you think the uh, final score is for Sunday, 425 
Minnesota Cowboys. See, I think was it a uh, Dallas favored by one point. I think. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll take Dallas and the points. I think Dallas wins by a couple of points. Um, I expect to see a better Dak, Dak Prescott, and I think that that's going to be the difference. So, uh, for me, it's not going to be a low scoring game. I'd say probably something like a, a 28 24 game in Dallas's favor. Happy to be wrong, of course, but I'm going to hedge my bets here and say, you know, the Vikings are coming off like an emotional win. We're still asking these questions about who they are. Um, I think the Cowboys at this point are being underrated because Prescott hasn't played up to the potential that we know he can play to. I like it. Um, I think I'm going to go a little bit more high scoring. I think it's going to be a 31-30 Cowboys win. Look at that. Yeah, I think the, I think Brett Maher kicks a, a field goal to, to a game-winning field goal to win it. Um, I just, yeah, if they let him kick. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. I mean, honestly, if we're being honest. I, I get it, but it is very funny. I do too. I like, I, I agreed to go for it. I just hated the third down play call. Like that's mm-hmm. something on first down. You're like, Hey, if we don't pick up yardage here and get a first down, like we're going to go for it on fourth. So let's yeah. make sure that we make this fourth down, not any harder than it needs to be. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's a Mike McCarthy thing. It's been happening for about 15 years at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's in his DNA. Yeah. <laughs> I'm terrified. My whole thing that I'm kind of scared of is, uh, Justin Jefferson versus a corner not named Trayvon Diggs, and the Cowboys don't normally travel Diggs. He normally plays one side of the field. And even Justin Jefferson and Diggs doesn't – I'm not like, oh, that's going to be a wash because I think that that's still going to be a uh, a tough matchup. Um, but if Anthony Brown has been very bad this year and he's in concussion protocol right now, so even if he doesn't play, then you got Kelvin Joseph. So I feel like that could get ugly if the Cowboys pass rush doesn't pick up from where it left off last weekend because it didn't really didn't really get after Aaron Rodgers much in that third or fourth quarter when they really needed to that was really the Mm -hmm. difference in winning and losing that game so Justin Jefferson gets lined up on Kelvin Joseph or Deron Bland or even Anthony Brown I think it could be a interesting interesting game yeah for sure probably help him get to the 2000 yard season he's on pace for (laughs) he might get to it in that game (laughs) yeah Not sure where he's at, but if it's in a 500-yard, uh, 700-yard span, he might get there. I mean, Christian Watson went for like 190 and three last oh, week. That's true. That's true. That's oh boy. Oh man, I, I cannot believe that. Good lord, man. I hate to say this, but I can. <laughs> I was like, oh boy. I was like, and it's just Aaron Rodgers and the Packers thing with the Cowboys. You just always yeah. kind of be like, yeah. uh-oh. Even though the Packers yeah. look absolutely hopeless this year, this game's going to be closer than it needs to be. Rodgers will mm. make every throw. <laughs> but I will say the Cowboys have had the Vikings number the last couple of years, even with some backup quarterbacks. So That's true. hoping that trend continues. Appreciate you coming on, man. Let people know where they can find you real quick. Yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Arif Hassan NFL. I guess I should invest in other social media at this point, but I don't have any. <laughs> uh, uh, otherwise, you can just find my work over at ProFootballNetwork.com, uh, ProFootballNetwork.com slash author slash A Hassan. Um, that's basically it. I got a podcast, Norse Good Podcast. You can listen to that. Um, but yeah. And I tell everybody this when I have a guest on. Reef also does a lot of NFL draft stuff. So all you psycho Cowboys fans who are like, I'm not following anybody who doesn't cover the Cowboys Still get a lot of good content out of that that account. And he follows the NFL as a whole. So he probably writes and talks about the Cowboys from time to time, too, over at Pro Football Network. So don't yep. be an asshole, people. So. <laughs> Appreciate it.
Arif, appreciate it, brother. This is awesome. Um, thanks for coming on, and we'll uh, we'll touch base after this uh, this bloodbath that'll happen on Sunday. Yeah, for sure, man. Sounds good. Awesome. You have it going. I want to thank Arif for coming on. I want to thank everybody for listening. This is the Talking Star Podcast. We'll see you guys next week.